The following message is brought to you by Morgan Hill Bible Church. For all things MHBC, connect with us on social media and check us out online at mhbible.org. Good morning again. I invite you, if you have a Bible with you this morning, open it up to the book of Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. Matthew is the first book in the New Testament. So if you find your New Testament, you can turn there. Um, And so we're going to be wrapping up this morning our series, Note to Self, with kind of this look as we started the new year with this, look what the Bible says to our worry, our stress, our anxiety. Just kind of a look ahead, because some of you love to look ahead. What are we doing next if we're wrapping up this week? Kicking off next Sunday, we're going to enter a series called Choosing Joy as we study through the book of Philippians. And we're going to study Philippians for the next couple months, actually leading up till Easter. And so I'm excited to dive in and walk through the book of Philippians together, kicking off next week. But today we finish up this series in Matthew chapter 11. You know, there's this weird thing um, that happens when you're a pastor and you preach or teach God's word regularly. And when I first started out, I kind of was like, wow, this is a coincidence, but I'm now almost done with 15 years of being a pastor. And I've seen this happen so many times in my life that I realized it's not a coincidence at all that, you know, we plan things well in advance. I'm a planner, you know, so our Sunday services are plans typically nine months to 12 months out. You know, so this series was picked almost a year ago that we were going to start walking through this, and even oftentimes down to the very verses and texts that we're going to go through months and months in advance. Yet there's this thing often that when it comes to the week of, as I'm preparing the sermon, I'm like, is this message for the church or for me? I'm like, God, how did you know that I needed this this week. And I remember the first couple of times it happened. It's happened so many times. Like, no, this is not, you know, there's kind of the thing in the Christian world, you know, be careful what you pray for. In the pastor world, it's be careful what you preach on, right? Because God's going to teach you before he teaches other people through you. And that was me this week. It was one of those weeks where it started. Um, the first couple of nights, our four-month-old daughter decided she really missed me at about three in the morning. You know, and, you know, that, that happens. Then the, the next night it was, you know, my wife was like, all right, I'll get up with Emily. And it was just one of those nights. I don't know why it happens, but you just lay in bed and you don't sleep for hours, right? You're like so exhausted that you can't sleep, but you don't sleep and you just wake up and you're like, I don't even know if I slept at all last night. And then it culminated Wednesday night. It was my wife's night where she's like, all right, if the baby gets up, I'll get up and feed her. It was about 2.45 in the morning when we hear this loud scream and I hear Kristen roll over. She goes, uh-oh. I go, what? She goes, that's not the baby. That's the two-year-old. That's Aria screaming. And the level of screaming soon culminated to then she screams so loud. The baby wakes up, right, hearing older sister scream. We're up for hours, right, the adrenaline of screaming children. So when you finally get them down, it's like four something in the morning and you're wired, right? You're like, what happens now? And so Thursday morning, I sit down to finish the message I get my second cup of coffee. It's still not light out. I'm, you know, I'm cranking through the coffee this day. And I read this in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I read uh, this week many articles of people reflecting on this passage. This one stuck out to me. This is from, I believe she's a mom of five writing and reflecting on this passage. She says, some translations, which this one here describes this word as weary, as heavy laden. 
That is me to a T. I'm weary, burdened, heavy laden. I am bone weary, yet there's no time to crash. If I do, my family falls apart and that cannot happen. So I just keep pushing through. This verse tells me Jesus promises rest. What does that look like and how do I get it? Is he going to get up to my vomiting baby every night or clean my eight-year-old's bottom when he's had an accident for the 100th time? I don't think that's how it works. So what is this rest? Because man, I want some. You know, if you're here this morning and your life is good and you're cheering, you're all smiles, I'm so glad you're here, but maybe this is like for, for you to note for future weeks, this sermon today. But if you showed up and you've had a week, kind of like a wife, you're, you're tired, you're burdened, you're weary, there's pressure on you and you're feeling it. My prayer is that God would work in our hearts as he's encouraged me just these past few days as I've really been sitting in and reflecting on this passage here in Matthew chapter 11. You know, as I was reading and reflecting on this passage this week, there's, I, I found four reasons in this passage, four reasons that we can bring our tired, exhausted, messy selves to Jesus. Four reasons that in our lives, as exhausted and tired as they are, that we can come to him. And the first is this that we see right away in verse 28, is the invitation of Jesus. The invitation that Jesus offers unto us. Come to me, Who? Who does Jesus want to come to him? Who does he want? Who, who does Jesus welcome into his arms? Who does he not just put up with, but who he sends a special invitation to? Those who are weary and labor and are heavy laden. These phrases, labor and heavy laden, are broad for a reason because they are meant to accompany any burden, any weariness that describes and defines your life. See, if you think through life through multiple stages and kind of 10-year increments by the decades, the typical burdens of life that many of us carry are different, but there's a commonality in that we're all carrying something, right? If you're a teenager, your burden is with friends and relationships and school and fitting in and thinking about college, and that, that, that can weigh on you. If you're in your 20s, the stereotypical burden is, now I'm supposed to get a job in this economy, Right? What, what is dating? What is a relationship? What is maybe thinking about marriage? What, what do those pressures look like? For some of us in our 30s, and this isn't everyone, right, of course, but for some of us in our 30s, it's we're now establishing our career and there's this pressure of kind of what, what's next? What are you moving up to? You're having children and that enters in a whole other stress into your life, another burden and weight to carry. In your 40s, you're suddenly looking back and thinking, do I wanna do this for another 20 years? Or is there something else that I should be doing? And maybe you have teenagers, talk about a burden. I love you teenagers, but you have teenagers now in your house and you're like, they didn't come with a manual. What is this? Like, this is not just a baby anymore. What, what is going on here? There's burdens. You're in your 50s and now you're entering into this final phase of career perhaps and your kids are maybe graduating, but I know a lot of parents who are like, man, my kids have left the house, but I'm still their parent. And I don't know what that looks like anymore. Like, how do I parent kids who are in college and young adults? What is that? Like, that's a different kind of burden. You're in your 60s now, and there's a burden of being a grandparent. Just kidding. There's no burden of being grandparents. That's the greatest thing ever I've heard, right? Right? You just hand it back when the diapers change, and it's all good, you know. But no, you're in your 60s, and you're thinking, when should I retire? What will life look like post-career? the financial stress and maybe the implications of those decisions. And then you're in your 70s plus. I had a, a mentor at my previous church who we would have lunch several times a year. And he would often say to me, he's in his 80s now, which I'm jealous because he looks like he's in his 50s or 60s. But he'd always say to me, Michael, 
getting old ain't for sissies, <laughs> right? And in your 70s and 80s, and you were in this burden of your body starting to wear and break down and tire. And people, it's more common that people who are close to you are passing away as you're getting older, friends and relationships, and you're carrying those burdens of having to deal with that. The language here is broad because no matter how young or old or where you are in your life, we're all carrying burdens. Every single one of us has burdens and things in our lives that we are carrying. But the language here of those who are heavy laden and have burdens is also specific and it's certainly included in one thing that Jesus will mention later on in the book of Matthew as well. And that is the burden that some of us can carry of am I good enough for God? The burden of does God love me? Have I done enough? And we know this because Jesus uses the same word in Matthew chapter 23, verses four. Verse four, talking about the Pharisees and the religious legalism and the demands that they would place on people. Jesus says this of the Pharisees, they tie up what heavy burdens that are hard to bear and lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. See, some of us are carrying this burden of am I good enough for God? Does he love me for who I am and how I am? You know, we may have a lot of stress and anxiety and burdens on our lives at different places, but what this passage teaches us of this, you can be certain, is that God will never reject you when you come to him. God will never reject you when you come to him. It doesn't matter what your life looks like. doesn't matter how messed up it is or how good it is. It doesn't matter how tired you are. God will never reject you when you come to him. This is why this invitation is so beautiful because we all have burdens. We all have stuff going on in our lives, right? We live in this social media age of even our imperfections. I love this phrase I saw a year ago. Years ago, they're curated imperfections, right? We let others see like this imperfect side of us, but we all know there's way more underneath us in our hearts that the people around us don't see and the weights that we're carrying that the people around us have no idea of. You know, Jesus reminds us in this passage that the church is not a place for perfect people or people who need to act perfect when they're here. The only thing perfect about the church is its savior, not the people. We are weary and heavy laden, but we serve a perfect savior. And Jesus invites us to come to him and find rest, to take off this burden and give it to him. When I was reading this imagery, what came to mind this week of of taking off this burden, what came to mind to me is backpacking. I grew up in an active family like lots of you here. It's one of the reasons to love California is all the outdoors. And my family grew up cycling a little bit later, and I still do that a lot now. When I was younger, our primary activity was hiking and backpacking. We actually have a picture of me. I'm not sure how young I am in this, but that's me in the middle, right? What a cute little kid I was, you know? Eight, nine, 10 years old, probably, my hair is long, so I'm guessing that's third grade. That's the year I didn't have my hair super short, right? So, but you see, like backpacks, we're going out on the Pacific Crest Trail for several days as a family to backpack. And if you've ever gone backpacking, what's the best feeling when you go backpacking? It's when you finally reach your destination at the end of the day, and you take that pack off your back. You're like, oh, thank goodness. Now, what's funny is I remember from this trip and my mom, as she looked up this picture this week and sent it to me, is the first thing she said when I called her. It's like, hey, I remember this trip is that your dad and I had a whole, like carried everything heavy and you and your brother had really light things in your bag. And the first night we got to the camp and we were like laying out on the ground, passed out and you guys were running around rock climbing. And so every day they like progressively added more weight into our bags, right? Like we can, have, we can adjust this, you know. 
But we need in our lives, like taking off that backpack at the end of the day to make it a regular practice of releasing our burdens to Jesus. To consciously release the things in our lives and say, Jesus, I'm weary, I'm heavy laden. Would you take this? Here I am. I give this to you. One of the practices that I've heard years ago that I try, and I don't, I'm not perfect on it, but I try regularly to practice. A lot of us carry the weight of you know, things in our lives. One of them is being a pastor. There's a lot of weight and heaviness and responsibility that comes with that. And what I, I don't do it every time, but I try regularly when I leave this campus at the end of the day, I'll open my hands like this and I'll breathe and I'll literally say something like, all right, God, you've got this. This is yours. Like, I don't need to carry this burden home. I need to be present with my wife, with my kids. I can't carry the weight of running a church. I can't do this myself. I never can, but God, I'm gone. I'm not here. This is yours. And I try and do that. Why? Because if I don't, I subconsciously try and carry those burdens myself. We need to give our burdens to Jesus, this invitation to come to him. The second reason we can bring our tired selves to Jesus is because of the heart of Jesus because of the heart of Jesus himself. Notice how he describes himself there in verse 29. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. This is one of the few descriptors where Jesus describes himself and the words that he uses maybe aren't the words that we would think he would use, but this is who Jesus says he is, his very heart, the core, the character, the essence of who he is, is gentle and lowly. Sometimes this phrase gentle is, com- is um, translated in some translations, he is meek. He is meek. So what is this gentleness? What is meekness? Many have described it this way. Gentleness is not weakness, but strength under control. Gentleness is not weakness, but it is strength under control. See, any strength, any strong point without control turns into a weakness ultimately in our lives. But this is not weakness. This is Jesus having strength, but knowing how to control it. A little while ago, I got hooked on the the Netflix show, um, Drive to Survive, following the Formula One racers. Many of you maybe have seen it or watched it. And you learn real quick as you're following these car racers, some of them are fast, but have no idea how to control a car right? Or at least not compared to others, right? There's a very similarity on who are the ones who seem to be always crashing, always ruining the races, right? When they have a chance because they have this strength, but they don't know how to control it. Jesus is strength controlled. Yes, he's all powerful, righteous, just, and holy, but he's not going to reject us. He's gentle and he's lowly in heart. Lowly or humble describes his heart. The prophets looked forward to the Messiah and and said this about him in Zechariah. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he, yet humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. See, we can come to Jesus when we're tired because his heart is towards those who are weak and who are hurting. It's who he is, that that's, he is drawn to them because that's who his very heart is reflecting towards There's this phrase that regularly describes Jesus in the gospels when he sees the crowds. And it says often that he sees them, they're like sheep without a shepherd, right? That translation, that doesn't really get us now because we don't, like none of us are shepherds or sheep. Maybe you are, but very few of us are, right? But they are people without a leader. They're scattered, they're hurt. They don't know what's going on. And it says the translation is often Jesus is moved with compassion. 
But it literally, it says like the translation is like there's something inside of him that is like turning over that he responds in such a way when he sees hurting people. See, when Jesus sees hurting people, it motivates him to the very core of who he is to reach out in love to them. He cannot because that's his character. That's who he is, is his heart responds to those who are hurting. See, this matters so much because the acceptance and love that Jesus offers people is not just a one-time deal, but it's an everyday thing. See, if Jesus' heart is gentle and lowly and that's who he is, it means you're not gonna catch Jesus on a bad day, right? You're not gonna catch him. You know, we've all had those people, right? Who are generally nice and kind. And then you go in and and you're like, oh, this is the wrong day for that, right? I'm not gonna ask a favor today, right? That's a good lesson to learn in marriage, right? Like when to ask favors and when to learn, I'm gonna wait till tomorrow to talk about that, you know? Like like there's certain people, you're not gonna catch Jesus on a bad day. You're not gonna catch him off guard. You're not gonna come to him sometime. And he's gonna be like, you know what? I'm fed up. I've had too much today. I don't wanna hear from you. He'll never say that because he is gentle and lowly in heart. Don't allow the weaknesses of your life to prevent you from coming to Jesus, Don't buy into this lie that you need to fix yourself before you come to him. Jesus says, come as you are. I'm gentle and lowly in heart. I will always accept you. I'll always listen. My arms are always open for those who come to Jesus. The third reason that we can come to Jesus when we're tired is the burden of Jesus. The burden of Jesus, right? And this phrase here, talking about the burden, they would have regularly understood because they use them in their time and their culture is a yoke. Right? Take this yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, there's two kinds of yokes here that, that we often see, and even the Bible uses both of these metaphors. Sometimes it's like two cattle, right? That would be yoked together and pulling things. And sometimes that's how the Bible talks. Don't be yoked to other people. Don't be partnered up. But there's also an individual yoke, which would have been just a piece of wood across your back that you would have had heavy things to carry on that you would have carried kind of similar to a backpack that we would call it. Something heavy on your shoulders to bear the weight of something. And that's what Jesus is saying here, is we all have things on our shoulders that we're carrying. But when you lay this down to Jesus, when you come to him, he will give you a yoke that is not heavy and burdensome, but that is easy and light. Why is Jesus's yoke, why is his burden so much different? Because when we carry on Jesus's yoke, it's salvation that's of God, not of our doing, not of our trying to accomplish or our needing to achieve. If all that is done for our salvation is accomplished by Jesus, which it is, then the yoke that he gives us is easy and light because it's not come with undue pressure to perform or to live up to some certain expectation. In fact, in Jesus, we find freedom when we take upon his yoke. Paul put it this way in Galatians chapter five. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. That idea of slavery that he's talking about is is thinking you have to live up to this righteousness of your own doing to accomplish something before God. We've left that in the past. We now follow Jesus. We are free to follow him. We've left that behind. And what Jesus gives us is free to, to live and it's ours and it's easy and light. See, the worries and stress of religious legalism have no place in Christianity. If you're a follower of God, there's a lot of stress in your life, but you don't need to worry about, have I done enough for Jesus today? It's not a worry that we need to worry about because it's gone. Jesus has borne our sin. He's done all that is needed. But of course, Christian freedom, 
you notice it's not that Jesus takes a yoke and then he doesn't give us anything, right? His yoke is, is easy and light. You know, Christian freedom is not just that we get to do whatever we want, but we're free to follow Jesus. So if it's not this heavy burden of religious legalism, what is this yoke that Jesus offers us? Galatians 5 continues. It says this later on in the chapter. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh to sin, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So in the gospel, we hand our burden of weight of salvation to Jesus. He takes that yoke and in response, bears our sin, dies for us, rises from the dead, defeats death and places upon us. I've done all that's needed. Now you go out and be my representatives to the world. Love God, love others. That's our command. That's what freedom in Christ looks like. We are free to love God and free to love others, but we're not consumed by this worry of have I done enough? Am I good enough? Because Jesus has borne that yoke and placed upon us this freedom in him. Fourthly, the fourth reason that we can come to Jesus is the offer of Jesus. The offer that Jesus gives us in this passage, notice it comes multiple times. Come to me all who are labor and heavy laden and I will give you what? Rest. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I'm gentle and lowly in hearts and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, twice in this passage, Jesus offers us rest. Now rest, as Jesus speaks of it here and as the Bible talks about rest, rest is not simply sleep, although it could include sleep. You know, if you're not resting, if you're not sleeping, yes, you're probably not finding this rest that Jesus promises. We are not just spiritual or emotional beings. We are also physically beings. God has created us that way. I don't, some people don't realize this, but it's true, right? Every single one of your areas of your life and the health impact the others. And if you are living a physically unhealthy life, it will have spiritual and emotional consequences. And to deny your physical limits of sleep and that you need to care, it will bleed into your spiritual and emotional life. It's why one of my professors in college, Dr. Neely, used to always tell us at the end of class on Friday, he would say, class, remember, one of the most spiritual things you can do this weekend is take a nap. And with that, he would dismiss us from class on Friday afternoons, right? Because we are inherently physical beings. We're not just spiritual or emotional. And sometimes we do need that kind of rest. But for some of us, more sleep isn't a possibility, right? All parents of young kids raise their hand and be like, yeah, that sounds great. Who's gonna watch my kid so I can sleep tonight, right? Like th this isn't just a possibility. And so well, what, what is he talking about here? Because it's not just physical rest, but he's talking about rest for your souls when we come to Jesus. See, when you, we look at the themes of scripture where it's talking about rest, this kind of rest, spiritual rest is found when we are living in the presence of God. Spiritual rest is only found when you are living your life in the presence of God. When, when we look back throughout biblical history at the Exodus, that great event in the second book of the Bible where God leads his people out of slavery in Egypt and towards the promised land. One of his promises is my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. He promises rest during this mass exodus and traveling hundreds of miles with millions of people. Like that's, it, that's activity, that's busyness, but rest is still found there. 
when they're about to enter into the promised land, one of the things that he promised the people that they would experience in the promised land is you will find rest. One of the things that the temple was tied to is that in worship in the temple that we would experience spiritual rest for the ancient Israelites in the temple. Now Jesus is that place that human beings can find spiritual rest in presence and in relationship with him. See, rest is a theme that goes back to the very beginning of scripture. If you know creation, after God created on the seventh day, Sabbath day, he rested. He rested, and that's why Sabbath was inherently built in towards our system, this idea of resting in God, of being with God. And Sabbath is not just a physical thing, but a spiritual thing where we restore and we're with God. And there's this unique nature that when we set aside time to rest and be present with God, that we find ourselves restored. See, rest is a state of the heart, no matter the pace of life around us. Rest is a state of our hearts, no matter the pace of life. Because for a lot of us, we're like, I, I can't just drop my kids off and not feed them. I can't just sleep in tomorrow and not go to work. Like, like I, I can't just live this pie in the sky dream where I do what I wanna do. So how can I find rest? Well, we can find rest in God's presence right where we are at in the craziness and busyness of our everyday lives. Not removal from it, but in the suffering, in the stress, in the hardships of life, we can experience peace. We can experience this, I think, because of two profound truths of God. And one of them we talked about last week, but it's true here, so we're gonna talk about it again this week, is that, that rest is, is, it can be experienced no matter where we are because God is present with you no matter where you are. That God's presence with us allows us to experience rest through every single moment of our lives. He hasn't abandoned us even when we don't sense him, even when we don't feel him, even when we can't see his presence, God has not abandoned us. And we can rest knowing that he is with us. You know, there are a few things that, that teach you about the character of God and how we act towards God than when you have babies and little kids. Because God is a father and lots of us, myself included, are like tiny little children in our relationship to God. And I, I was reminded of this this week again. Um, you know, our youngest is four months old. And if you were here first service last week, you saw kids got a good set of lungs on her. Love, she's a good crier. She can make herself known. And, and there's this thing that, that with Emily, when we rock her to sleep, especially for a nap in the afternoon, right? We have, we have a rocking chair next to her crib in her room. And oftentimes she'll be drinking the bottle and we'll be rocking till she falls asleep, right? And she's sleeping and you do that, every parent knows that little dance of like, don't wake him up, don't wake him up, don't wake him. And you like lay him in and you're like, got it, right? And you like tiptoe away and you're out, right? And they're asleep and you're like, all oh, is well. And you hope they sleep, right? Maybe for an hour or two, sometimes more, sometimes unfortunately less. But then what Emily does is, you know, she'll wake up and she'll be like, I was asleep in mom or dad's arms. I'm not in mom and dad's arms right now. They've abandoned me. They've left me for dead. I'm hopeless in the world. So they scream out at the top of their lungs, right? What has happened? Everyone who loved me has abandoned me. I'm here all by myself in this big dark space. And, and I love not going into Emily's room when she's waking up and she's crying and it's so sad. I love just going over and just kind of talking to her to, to, to get her to, to open her eyes. And she's like crying and then she'll stop and she'll like do that like baby stare where she kind of like looks, looks at you for like three seconds. Like, wait, who is that? And then she'll do this. <laughs> it's just the eyes closed and this is really big smile. She's like, I thought I was all alone in the world, but no, you're here. I didn't touch her. I didn't pick her up. I didn't feed her a bottle. She just was reminded that I was there. She wasn't alone. I was always there. 
not right next to her. I knew exactly where she was. She didn't see me though, but I knew where she was. Isn't that how we are with God? We don't see him. We panic. We cry. We're all alone. And once in a while, we get those glimpses of God being like, hey, hey, I'm here. I'm here. It's okay. I've always been here. I've always seen you. You can have rest in God because he always sees you. You may not see him. He may seem a long way off and he's just one room over looking at you on the baby monitor. He knows what's going on. But he sees you. He knows you. He is present with you. And we can experience rest with God because he's with us. He has not abandoned us. The second reason we can experience this rest that God's provide is that we can trust in his sovereignty. That as followers of Jesus, we can trust that God is, is sovereign. He's in control of the craziness and the chaos of life, the things that we can't make sense of, the things that we lose sleep trying to figure out what is God doing? How does this work together? What is going on? That we can trust that God says that he ultimately is in control. One of the most shocking and astonishing but comforting verses of scripture is in Romans 8, 28. You probably know it well if you've been a Christian for any amount of time. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. All things in Greek means all things. It means everything. It means the things you like, things you don't like. It means the things that you're glad that happened and the things that you never wish upon your worst enemy that have happened to you. And I don't know how he does it. I think it's one of those things of human limitations. We cannot understand exactly how this works, how God is sovereign over all things, but scripture teaches it so it's true. We know it has to be true. That somehow God will use every single point of pain, of sorrow, of stress, of trouble in your life. And if you're a follower of God, he will use it for your good. You may not see that good for decades. You may not see it until you're in heaven one day and he reveals how he used that in your life. But in the midst of the trouble and the chaos of life, we can rest that yes, God is here with me. And somehow, I don't understand how, but somehow God will use this ultimately for my good. And in that we can experience rest right where we're at in the busyness and the stress and the chaos of each and everyday life. You know, as our worship team comes up and we close our time this morning together, I just wanna ask you, what, what burden in your life are you carrying today? All of us have burdens. All of us have stress. All of us have things. And if this were one-on-one -on -one conversation, we could share and I could share with you, but it's me and there's like a couple hundred of you, so we can't do it that way. But I just wanna ask you to do is this as we close, just to simply, we don't do this a lot here, so this might make you uncomfortable, but that's okay, we're at church, you can be uncomfortable, it's a safe space. Just to open your hands like this before you. And whatever it is that you're carrying with this posture, take your burden and release it to Jesus. Let's just close our eyes together right now and pray. The weight of being good enough, give it to Jesus. The weight of your kids, give it to Jesus. The weight of your marriage, of career, of the future, the worry, the anxiety, whatever it is, give that burden to Jesus.
Jesus, we thank you for this invitation to come, come as we are, weary and heavy laden, and find rest in you, that you are gentle and lowly in heart. God, we ask that you would take our burdens, that we would lay them at your feet, be reminded of your presence with us, and that today we would find rest in who you are and what you've done for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. Continue the conversation with us on social media. Never miss a message and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes.